Greetings. Is that, am I okay? I'm not used to being Brittany, but anyway, it's lovely to be here. I know some of you, I know some of you very well, and I know some of you to see, so um, bless you, you're here. The whole of Temple Bar is closed down, Strandtown Baptist, soldiers on. <laughs> so I heard on the, on the radio as I was coming here. Um, I'm Jill, and as Lee said, I am families worker in St. Field Road, Presbyterian, which is just, uh, just beyond, if you've got, between Forestside and Carry Duff, if you've gone to Carry Duff, you've gone too far, so that's where I'm working from Wednesday onward. Monday and Tuesday, I'm in Regent House doing schools counselling, so that is um, with, largely with the grammar section, but it can be with prep and it can be with staff any staff. If you're a human in the building, you can come to me. So Monday, Tuesday, I fit that in. And then Wednesday onwards, I am in St. Field Road doing family stuff, which um, it starts with tiny tots. So I go from human misery, Monday, Tuesday, full of human misery from 8.15 to 4.15 really. And then I bounce into work on Wednesday and play with wee kids. So that's really lovely balance. Um, I am here tonight to talk about CBT, which is what I trained in about 15 years ago, I think it is now. Um, And it is just a type of counselling. I've I've always done sort of people-type jobs. I worked in a drop-in centre after I finished uni for young people in Bangor, and then I worked in King and Church for Deaf People, if you know that on Botanic Avenue here. Um, used to work there with the lovely late George Grindle. So that's just a wee potted history. I have, I have two boys. My youngest is 21. My eldest is 55. And yeah, you get it? You get the, the, the yeah. So yeah, one husband and one son, and that is me. Um, I want... I want to relax. Whoops, I want you to relax. I don't do formal, as you can see. I do a big mess, but I don't do formal. So I would love you to interact if you want. If you don't want, not a problem. But if you have questions, if you have things, and you think, what does she mean by that? I would rather you raise your hand or heckled kindly um, and just said, what is that about? Okay? Um, And apart from that, I'm going to rattle on. We're going to do... We're going to go for 20 minutes. Is there a clock anywhere there is? There's a clock. Um, We'll go on for 20 minutes, and then we'll have a wee tiny break, at which point you will look through some things that I have for you. Have a quick look, feedback if you want to, and then we'll go on. So what we are doing, I can only mildly see that, so I'm going to have to turn around. So what is CBT, (laughs) and how does it work? Why do I work this way as a human? Because I do, we all do. What can I do about it? Who do I think I am? What does God say I am? I don't know why God's got a drum kit, but he has in that. Um, And what does this actually mean for me? So, CBT, lovely. CBT, I'm going to bore you slightly. I'm boring myself because this is what I do every day. It is a type of counselling. And some counselling that you go to, um, and there are courses for courses, so I'm not criticising any type um, that you, you, will, you will go round and you will rethink and rethink your thoughts, I suppose, which is maybe what CBT sounds like. This is quite an action-packed type of therapy, where we do look at our, 
our thinking patterns. So the C bit is cog- your cognitions, your thoughts. The behaviour bit is this B bit is your behaviours. And the therapy is what I do to you. Um, so it's a problem-focused, action-oriented form of therapy used to treat anxiety and mood disorders. Okay. So the unhelpful thinking patterns, we'll try and help you work through those. Um, and then unhelpful behaviours try and help you do more or less. So it's, it's about doing more or less of what's what's good and what's not so good. Um, but it is always based on helping you to self-regulate, regulate your own emotions, be able to handle yourself a bit better. Um, and it is based on the thinking of what I think affects what I do and how I feel. Is that what I'm saying? Sorry, I can't see that screen. That's why I'm having to turn around. There's no other way to do it. Sure, there's not. I, I, can, I can squint, but after. No, we'll just, we'll just go with it. Um, so that's what we're going to go for. Next one. Okay. So did I just skip two there? No. No matter. No matter. The wrong trousers. The whole premise of what I think affects how I feel and what I do is going to be summarized here by the wrong trousers. Okay, so let's have a wee scenario where Sally and Debbie go out and buy trousers. They are both in a rush. They go buy trousers without trying them on, which we would never do. Um, They fly home. The trousers are too small. How does each girl react? Okay, so there are lots and lots of ways they can react. I've picked two. So there is Sally. Poor, poor Sally. Sally thinks, I am so stupid. I can't believe I bought them without trying them on. They're not going to let me return them. They're always so judgmental in that shop. And they're so nasty. I feel She feels really anxious, stupid, um, irritable. And what she does is she... A whole big trail of beating herself up, procrastinating, and getting to the point where it's just too late to take the trousers back. She loses her money and is really cross and feels really horrible about herself. Yeah? We've perhaps done that. Debbie, on the other hand, goes, stupid me, forgot to try them on, it's a bit disappointing, Um, I'll just have to take them back, and feels mildly frustrated and and then eventually takes them back, has a nice wee chat with the girl in the shop, gets the right size of trousers, tries them on, goes home happy. So exactly the same situation, Sally, Debbie. And I can be Sally and I can be Debbie. I can be both of those things because us humans are just complicated. It's what we do, we complicate everything. Um, Anybody? relate to that. So what, what we think about a situation actually um, really does, how we think about it really does dictate our outcome, how we feel and what happens. Okay. And if you're a normal human like me, I am guessing you can do this too. We go through piles and piles of situations in, the, in any day, in any hour, where we interpret things in different ways and get ourselves stuck or not. Sometimes we just glide beautifully because we've been thinking well. Okay. Now, that's where I thought I was first. So you were right and I was wrong. That happens a lot. We'll go back one. There we go. 
So CBT helps us to, I'm going to have to turn my back, it's really rude, but because I can't see it from there, CBT helps us to recognize and begin to analyze our automatic thoughts. So what those things that popped into Debbie's head, popped into Sally's head, pop into my head all the time, automatic thoughts, nothing. They're not things I think I'm going to sit down and deliberately think that. Things that pop into your head, I'm really stupid, I shouldn't have done that, I'm going to be late, they think I'm mad. You know those things, they just tumble and they tumble and they tumble. Nothing inherently bad, wrong, awful or virtuous about any of them possibly. They just, they just tumble and I have no control over what pops into my head, at least to a point. Um, so CBT will help us to, to begin to look at those because those thoughts do help us to interpret what we see, what we think, what we feel, what we hear, what we sense around us. Just helping us to make sense of this world because it takes some making sense of sometimes. Um, and yeah, they automatically pop in, but the problem comes whenever we automatically believe them because not everything that I believe or not everything that you believe is worth believing. Okay. We are taught, you guys who are still, is there anybody here still in school or just maybe the second time round? I don't know. Um, when, when I was in school, I remember I did English I level. I mean, you know, we're taught from day dot, but even especially in something like English or history, we are taught to analyze everything, every word, every nuance of every letter, and it, you know, it all probably becomes a bit convoluted. But we are never, as humans, taught to analyze our thinking. And that, I think, is sometimes where, where we come a cropper, because we do that. We believe everything we think, um, and if we didn't, then we'd be just simpler, gentler humans. So that is CBT summarized nicely. Okay? So in one sense, I can go and sit down and go back to Bangor, but I'll not, I think. Um, yeah. Um, why do I do this? Why do we do that to ourselves? Anybody else do that to themselves or is it just me? Any other bananas, rotten bananas in the room? We live in a fallen world and we have a real negative bias. Um, how many times do we actually do that sort of thing? You look in the mirror and go, seriously? And nobody actually probably else really cares as much as we do. So even in that level, it's a fallen world. We care way more about ourselves than anyone else does. And in a, in a you know, in, in introspective way, not in a I want to be a better person way. But So neg the fallen world means that we all have a negative bias. If I went round the room and spoke to each of you and said nine lovely things about you each, to each of you, that were all true, and then I said one wee thing that wasn't quite so nice, what would you remember as you walk out the door? Am I the only weird one who remembers the, the, the negative thing? I don't think I am. So I just think we need to remember that that is how we are wired. We are in a fallen world. Satan hates us. He's having a laugh. And we want to be onto him and go, no, not on my shift. Am I, a letting, am I allowing you or letting myself think those negative thoughts that put me down, that put other people down, put God down? I'm not, I'm not going there. So I think we need to learn to catch ourselves on. 
catch yourself being a banana, a rot, looking like a rotten, come back, um, a rotten banana. Um, and I think a really good question to ask is if I spoke to my best friend, my wife, my husband, my whoever, the way I speak to myself, what would happen? And sometimes they'd be out the door. Because I, um, I'm the person who speaks most to me. You're the person who speaks most to you. And I probably am my biggest critic. And I say things to me about me that I wouldn't dream of saying to my husband or us. I'd run very, very fast afterwards. But, you know, we are so unkind to ourselves. Um, and I don't mean that. And <laughs> this is Norn Iron, let's face it. We are so... We're really funny, actually. I love our humour. But we are so self-deprecating. So it's not about you know saying I'm fabulous all the time. But it's just learning to see you know, the, who we are. Not even who we are in Jesus. Just who we are. We are valuable humans. So to stop ourselves in our track once we start going down that really negative line. So Because if I am really negative, really critical of me... And then I feel rubbish. And then I'm puzzled. It's like, you've just barraged yourself for half an hour. Do you expect to feel fab? You know, we're slow learners as well, but don't catch on. So it's a good idea whenever you begin to feel a wee bit rotten sometimes. Think, what have I just thought? What have I just said to me? Before we start accusing anyone else. So um, it's just interesting to catch ourselves on and to to really begin to wonder what we do to ourselves. Um, Why do I do this? Why do I do it? CBT will say, and lots of counselling, and there are lots of healthcare professionals in here, I think, um, it's not just what we think. It's how we experience what what we experience and the layers of meaning that we add to things. I mean, do you ever hear yourself saying something like, um, you know, that that, that car, you know, he just cut me up, that just means he he thinks he's better and he's got a better car than me and he thinks this and he thinks that. And it's like, no, it means he cut you up and he's maybe just in a rush. Or, you know, we add... She, she said this to me, so it means that she thinks that and that and that and that. And, us. and off we tumble again. And we add layers of meaning. And if we were to be able to stop ourselves and go, well, that means that she was nasty to me today. That's all it means. That's, that's her call. Then, then we would stop the tumble more quickly and more effectively and more correctly. Um, yeah. So we, do, we, do, we view life, we view our lives through things like our previous experiences, our childhood, our upbringing, our culture, our gender, our temperament. Um, there's some of yours and there's some tiggers in the room and, and everything in between. So, you know, that is, that's, and there's nothing again inherently wrong with that. We are who we are um, by temperament. So, but we, we need to remember we view life and we give meaning to things depending on all those things and more. Um, you know, Sally. Sally was really doom and gloom on herself. She viewed it as in, I mucked up here. I was really stupid. I didn't try on the jeans. Debbie was saying, I was in a rush. I didn't bother trying on the jeans. Two girls, same scenario, different outcome, different feeling. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, when we see somebody having a big, and I did back overreaction, thank you, um, it, it's not an overreaction to them. It might be an overreaction reaction to me if I'm viewing something in a way and I think, oh, that's fine, and they're going, that's so not fine. It's so not fine in their world because they've added a meaning to it or you know, it has just triggered some meaning for them. So it helps us to be a wee bit gentler perhaps with people when we, um, we recognise, what was that about? I don't get that. There's something going on, but we just don't know. Um, where are we? Does that make sense? Yeah, am I talking just just some rubbish? Some sense, some rubbish. Yeah. And it, and it it's common sense. But I think we're we're quite bad at common sense. We're we're good at complicating things, but whenever it comes to things that just just are how things are. We, we often don't just sit down and slow down and think, okay, I might be wrong here, I might be overreacting, they might be coming from a different point of view. I think CBT is nice, just common sense, nicely boxed. That's probably why I chose it, because I need just simple things. So, uh, and keeping it simple it is not a bad way for your brain to, to function. Um, I have some handouts. Um, yeah. We, we get into habits of thinking. So because of those things, the meanings that we, um, that we attach to things, we have patterns that we, that we make. And I'll, well, the sheet's there in a wee minute where we can, you can look at your own unhelpful thinking habits. Um, I'll have a look. And then that's the very best place to start where you can um, look down, scan down that page. You will, might find yourself in every category. I can do them all like a boss, these, all these unhelpful habits. But it's whenever you begin to, um, to catch yourself doing it and catch yourself doing something specifically that's unhelpful in a specific setting. I did a two-year course on this. I had to absolutely shred myself. It was not pretty at times, but it was so, so useful um, to, to analyze what is going on under, you know, with people watching you, videoing you, and then playing it back and shredding you. It was like, oh, it was just excruciating, but it was good. Um, so I'm not asking you to do that, honestly. I'll, I'll, video, I'll just video one of you and, and shred it. No? No? See the panic? Um, but it, we, yeah, it, you see now, and I'm, not, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to mention coronavirus briefly, but we possibly will have time at home on our own at times to do things. Now, you can watch Netflix. That's maybe not a bad choice, but don't watch Netflix the whole time. Sometimes it might be really good to sit, to be quiet, to read, to think, what, what goes on with me? What am I about what are the things that um, make me, that really annoy me, that don't seem to annoy other people? Or just to think about your, your thinking habits. You can go through the homework sheet that I've given you. I'm coming back in six weeks. No, I'm not. Um, but, yeah. And the thinking patterns that we get into. 
Um, there's, prob yeah, there's probably people here. I'm going to simplify something really complicated, okay? Um, talk about brain neural pathways. So whenever um, I start to think in a, in, a, in a way and it becomes a habit, it, it becomes a, a wee pathway. You know, like if you're going into a forest and nobody's been there before and the grass is really long and you walk, you, want, you see a lovely lake over there and you think, I want to get from there to there. So you do that, you walk over towards the lake and then you come back the next weekend and you think, oh, that lake was really nice, so I'll walk across to the lake and you do that for weeks and weeks and weeks. You wear, out a, you wear a wee path down because that's the shortest route from A to B. It's what we do in our brains. Whenever there is a frequent habit of thinking in a certain way, then we wear down we neural pathways in our brain. That's so simplified. Sorry for GPs and doctors and psychiatrists and all in here, but it's, it's about right. But those things which become pathways, which become habits, become unchallenged. If, if we do something often enough, we, we don't challenge it because it becomes our norm. So we can get into fabulous thinking habits and we can get one, into ones that really trip us up. So it is, it is trying to work out. That's why I'm giving you sheets, to, to see what your thinking patterns are. Those automatic thoughts lead to thinking patterns, and those thinking patterns then lead to other things. So if you want to distribute one to each, I think. And it's just wondering, can we do anything about them? And I'm guessing you know the answer is yes, or I wouldn't be standing here, but... Have a look. I'm going to not interrupt you for like two minutes. Chat among yourselves. Heckle if required. And see if you can see what you can find out, find yourself doing. <laughs> the other, like, Joanne, 22. Okay, better speed up. That's fine. You take that home. So, so, so 10 to it is then? Okay. Um, anybody want to own up to anything? Or will I just come clean about? Or as a nation, do we want to come clean about anything? I mind read. Oh, I mind read. I think I know what people are thinking. Um, and that's part of being trained to try and work out what people are thinking. But then I take it too far and I think I actually know. And my husband is going, you haven't a clue what I'm thinking. It's like, yeah, I do. It's like, no, you don't. It's like, no, I don't. And I don't. I guess. But I guess it right sometimes and I guess it wrong sometimes. And the times that I'm wrong, you know, I, sh I should just hold my hand up and go, no, I actually was wrong there. Or, or if somebody's, you know, if somebody... Anyone? Anyone? No? Anyone critical on, with themselves? Or they, anyone compare themselves with someone else? And despair? When we compare, we generally don't come off well, do we? It's that negative bias again. It's that fallen world we live in. It's that innate ability or inability to see straight. We don't have to be taught to be negative. Um, Somebody said to me this week that to, you measure your intelligence, and this is not fair, you measure your intelligence by 150 minus the number of toilet rolls you've bought this week. <laughs> and, and it's like, 
as a nation, and I, I am not, I'm, I'm not belittling what is happening. It, it's quite unnerving in one sense. We, we don't know what we're in and what we're going into. But I think there's a lot of catastrophizing there. Where is catastrophizing? Down the right-hand section, where we jump from A to Z in a millisecond, and we think we know what is actually going to happen, and it is the worst-case scenario, and it is definitely going to happen, and it's going to happen really soon. So, so people have been panic buying. It's hard to just do a normal shop without feeling guilty that you're panic buying. Do, do you know, we have, we've locked down. Don't listen to Stephen Nolan, um, unless his mummy's here in case we chill work. Listen to him all the time. But it, it's, so, it's so negative and it's so catastrophizing. And lots of our news programs are, are so frightening, in, in a sense, if you want to let it go that way. And that does not do any good for our mental health. Because, again, we, we're not sticking to fact. We are um, we're catastrophizing. This will pass. This coronavirus will pass. And I think we forget that it will pass. Um, but take the sheet home. Put it on your fridge. Do whatever. Photocopy it. Learn what you do. Catch yourself doing it. And that is the beginning of a beautiful relationship with your thinking which can turn to lovely things, okay? Let's jump ahead one, okay? Old Jacob, isn't he brilliant? Most of the time, isn't he? Yeah. Um, The next point I have has nothing to do with him at all. It just means that he he has the same name as the guy that I'm going to talk about, and I put that up so you'd remember it. Um, I'm going to talk about the Stockdale paradox. There was a guy called Admiral James Bond Stockdale in the US Air Force who was shot down in Vietnam in 67. He was put into the notorious, was it Hanoi Hotel um, prisoner of war camp. He was in there until 74 and tortured over 20 times. He survived and he came out really very resiliently um, and when asked why and what he'd made of it, and how come he came out so well. Uh, he said, you know, someone asked him, what type of people didn't do so well? And he said, well, the pessimists did not do well. They had themselves dead and buried every day, and just slumped. But he said, interestingly, the optimists did not do well either, because they were, you know, today's going to be the day, or we'll be out by Christmas, or we'll be, you know, Easter, we'll be, we'll be out by Easter they were constantly disappointed. So their, their hope was dashed, and then there was more hope and it was dashed. So that, that hopefulness, the optimism, was not, did not serve them well. Um, so in CBT, I would never ask you to be optimistic. What he did say was that um, it was his realism, his unwavering faith that this would end, that kept him going. He knew it was rough, um, and his unwavering realism included his discipline to confront sometimes brutal realities. He was tortured 20 times. He got there in the end. So where we are catastrophizing and it is negative, or we, you know, it is, it's, it is Eeyore or Tigger. We, we can live in those doom and gloom places or those really pink, fluffy uh, positive things which don't serve us well either so that lovely middle ground of realism is where our brains go best, where they serve us best Um, 
And so then, you know, as you hear, you'd be prompted to, us being prompted to, to think about our thinking and to be realistic in it. You can begin to hear the voice of God whispering, you know, take captive every thought. Every thought. And that includes those thousands of automatic thoughts that pop into our heads every day that we believe, and we believe and we believe, and they're not true, and they take us to bad places in our thinking. So, in below those automatic thoughts, what lies beneath? What we are submerged in as children, what we grow up in, what we live in, what we experience, what is told to us, what is done to us, what lies beneath ends up creating in us statements that we don't even know are there. I am, others are, the world is. And if I were to say to you now, how would you finish those sentences? You probably couldn't because you haven't thought about it, maybe. But it is... It makes really good sense. As little children are, are we sponges? So if a big, you know, even if it's a nice, a nice adult, we can have lovely, really good core beliefs. We can have really destructive ones as well. So if you have a lovely, nurturing parent, I think, yeah, a lovely, nurturing parent or parents, you end up with the core beliefs, I am lovable and valuable. Others are really kind and trustworthy, and the world is an exciting place. So these, are, these lovely people who love me, they think I'm fab, and they're going to launch me into this exciting world. Whereas on the other hand, if you have critical parents, difficult experiences, those, those learned thoughts are, I'm not good enough, others are unkind and critical, the world is hostile, and so the world closes in, and we're... Um, you know, we're, we're looking over our shoulder at people and we're expecting them to be nasty because that's what we've learned as little kids and bigger kids. Um, and so it goes. And so whenever somebody does something and you see somebody having a big outburst and you're going, oh, what's that about? They've got a different meaning from you. They've probably had different, they've different core beliefs that are being triggered and... Um, it's, we go gently. It's a, it's a reminder to tread gently. When someone is behaving most badly, then it's probably when they need most patience. I know that's very hard. But it is, it's interesting when you see what lies beneath or what might lie beneath. Um, I am going to fly on a wee bit. Yeah. If I am saying I am this, and it's like maybe I'm not good enough and others are better than me and the world is a horrible place. As Christian people, where do we go with that? And it's lovely that we have somewhere else to take it. The world out there has nowhere else to take it and that is just awful. No wonder there is despair and anxiety and depression. There is despair and anxiety and depression within the church too and that, that's okay. At least we can be helped to take it somewhere. But the important question is, who does God say I am? What core beliefs does God have for me? Who am I to him? Who are other people to him? So if, if I'm valuable, then are other people valuable to you? How do, that, how do I treat, need to treat them then? Um, and what does God say that he is? So what do I need to do with God? Should I worship him? Is he worthy of it? Um, so I love it. 
I love that picture for a start. I love Lucy and Aslan. I think it's just beautiful. Um, just the way Aslan looks at her. And you think, is that the way God looks at us? What does he, how does he finish those sentences for us? God says, I am what? Loved, valuable, precious, forgiven. Tum- and tumble it on. You can let those thoughts tumble. Who are other people? Oops, sorry. Who are other people? They are equally as valuable. They are made in the image of God. The imago days. Um, they are part of the body of Christ. They are the one another people that we need to look after. Who, who we need to look after this, these weeks, these months, whenever Corona virus hits, even more. We need to be looking after each other, each other, and God. As, uh, as he said to Lucy, I think it was, he, Lucy said, is, is Aslan safe? And it's like, of course he's not safe, but he is good. And that's the sort of God that I want to follow. I don't want to follow a God who's just nice, because that's not good enough. Um, but he's wild and free and brave and loving and kind and compassionate and forgiving and not angry. Um, and he's not safe, but he is good. Um, we'd better fly on another one. I told you it was getting me stop talking is the issue. Who does God say I am? God is who he says he is. We are who God says we are, not what we feel about ourselves. I think that is key to... These are all CBT techniques and CBT language but when we bring it into the church we have a whole other place to go with that so it's not I might feel rubbish about myself but God is going no you're not and you're not rubbish because I made you not rubbish I have made you my child you know when I look at you I see Jesus I see the purity of his of him because of his forgiveness for you I mean, if that is not the best news ever in the history of the world, then we're not getting it right. We just don't understand it. Because that, that is just beautiful. And I love, in, in my two jobs, on a Monday and Tuesday, I can't talk about God. I'm not allowed to or I'd lose my job with ed- education authority. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I can talk about God all I like if I, could, I have to. So it's the beautiful juxtaposition in one sense. It's just from, on a Monday and Tuesday, I can't... Hmm really legally talk about God but then I can and it's like it's like finally I can say what I really think and feel so whenever we begin to realize who does he say we are not we the rubbish that tumbles that we feel about ourselves which is rubbish and that's why I'm asking you to analyze your thinking whatever is rubbish bin it if it comes out of your mouth comes out of your head bin it if it's not true and it's rubbish because we need to focus on who God says we are, not what we feel we are. And that fluctuates. One minute I'm, you know, I'm fab, the next minute I'm, I'm rubbish, and everything in between. So we are so unreli- unreliable. As pl- I think it was Plato said that our emotions are like, emotions in general are like stallions. You know, have been spooked and they're just f- flying all different directions and they're tearing us apart. So if, if we rely on our emotions, and I am not anti-emotion, as you can possibly tell, um, but they have to be in check and they have to be in line with what God is saying about us. I'll go for the next one. <clears throat> 
therefore I will never be out of here. Okay. So take captive every thought. What Lee read, the be transformed by renewing of your mind in Romans 12 too, that was actually the verse that got me to do CBT as opposed to any other type of counselling. Because I thought, yeah, that's it. I like that we are transformed by renewing our minds. That's the other verse I love. Take captive every thought from, what is it, Second Corinthians 10. Yeah. Right throughout the Bible, God tells us not to be anxious, not to fear, not to worry, not to panic, um, because he knows we do. And he also then reminds us, put your mind somewhere, put it it in a good place. Don't think of that, think of this. Don't, you know, set your mind on good things. Think about whatever's lovely, pure, holy, true, right, I'm summarizing. But think about the good things. And don't, don't just let your mind splurge into the mess of, of what is not good. I love the last one. I think it's really apt at the minute. God did not give us a, a, a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. We need a sound mind these days. It is, it is not an easy time. I know, I know, you know, I made a, not a very, maybe, was it sort of funny, the joke about the toilet rolls? Sort of funny. But, but we need a sound mind because, because times are uncertain. And uncertainty brings anxiety to us humans. So how do we as godly humans demonstrate a different way in this moment for such a time as this? And while it is, while it is quite unnerving at the minute, we have this amazing ability to step up and to be different and to not panic, to have a sound mind, to not get sucked into the media panic and to go, yep, we're okay. We will look after you. Don't fear. This will pass. It, it's, it's tricky. But um, there is a God who is in control. Um, those, those are verses for you to do a Bible study on or something at some point, or many, many Bible studies on, perhaps. The next bit. I saw this like about a year ago and it stopped me in my tracks and I read it. I'm going to read it out loud to you, slowly. And it says, be anxious for nothing, not your health or your bank account or your job security. Don't be anxious for your dreams, for your purpose or for a long-awaited spouse or your future family or the house you'd like to call home or your place in the world. Not for your children's salvation, education, friendships, safety, or their joy. Not for your marriage or your singleness. Not for your aging parents or troubled relationships. Not for what you will eat or wear or do tomorrow. Nothing. I don't know about you, but that can pinpoint various things for me and it sort of made me breathe in at times and I thought oh how do we not do that how do we not be anxious because everything inside us naturally is going when we read some of those things and that's not a nice place to be so if God is saying to us don't be anxious yeah I borrowed a book one time from my friend and in the margin she had YBH YBH YBH? I was like, what? So I spoke to her and I went, YBH? 
She said, yeah, but I. And that's what she was saying. So God said, you know, God is telling us, don't be anxious. And I'm going, yeah, but how? And then he says to us all, whatever we feed, that's what wins. It's not rocket science. You get out what you put in. It's maths almost. Whatever you feed, if you feed your mind on... I'm saying Netflix. I love Netflix. I'm not criticizing it. But... If you feed your mind on rubbish, on scary stuff or violent stuff or all sorts of stuff, well then, that's where your mind goes. And if we are anxious and frightened, especially these days, and we keep watching the media, we get more frightened. So, in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of what goes on in the community, in the world, Feed it what is going to make it grow and grow strong and grow wise. So feed what we feed wins. Um, where am I? Not a clue. I've lost my place, but it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, doesn't really matter. That bit about, oh, come back one. Just be in God's presence. Anybody, anybody read any Pete Gregg or know Pete Gregg of the 24-7 prayer movement? He had a lovely story about that. I will tell you it briefly because I'm running over. He said after reading, after finishing the writing and probably rewriting and rewriting of one of his books, he was exhausted. It took months and months and months. So at whenever he was the, the edited version was finished, he, his wife was with him and his, his two little boys who sat on his lap and he said, right, we're going to thank you God for this and we're going to press the send button and then we're going for dinner. So he pressed the send button and he said, I know, knew exactly where I wanted to go. There was a restaurant with a lovely big leather couch and outside there was a play area for the kids. So he said, they went there, he flopped on the couch and ordered lovely food and And then he said to the kids, Behold, the swings and verily the slides. Off you go. And he said, Take as long as you like. And out they went. One of them went flying out through the door onto the swings and slides. The other wee one stopped at the door. And he looked back and he just sort of toddled back. And as he said, he just toddled over to me and he said, Daddy, I missed you. And he climbed up onto him and he said, He put his wee podgy arms around my neck. And he just sat there. Now Pete said, at that point, I did not love that child any more than I loved that one who was having a whale of a time on the swings. But that wee child really ministered to my father's heart, he said, at that point in time. How much more does God, whom the world hates, not love it when we clamber up onto him and go, I missed you. Or I just love being with you. We don't even have to say anything. Just being in his presence. I know our, our minds distract, but it's like it's a lovely place to even think exists. So it's like maybe we should do that. Pray with honesty. The, the Psalm, Psalm 13. There's the, the talking, you know, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And so it goes on. And then, then he says, but... And then I will trust in your unfailing love. How long did it get him from, go, from the, 
How long will you forget me to, forever? To the but. And then how long did it get from the but to but I will trust? That could have been days, weeks, months, minutes. I don't know. But how we feel is how we feel and however long it takes is however long it takes. So that, that length of time between him feeling awful and saying, and then going, but something happened and I'm guessing it was God's spirit bringing him back to, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. So we pray with honesty and that's the sort of prayers I am guessing God likes. Pray Psalms over yourself. Put your name in there if you've no words. The Lord is Lee's shepherd. May he lack nothing. May he make him lie down in green pastures. Put your own name in. If you have no words and you don't know what to say and you're hanging on by your fingernails sometimes, put your, word, your name in. Read the Psalms. My word, they are, they're not always happy. Some of them are not happy at all. I love their earthy honesty. So it's like, go to them. Go to the laments, go to those things that where you, you're not just being jolly because you're trying to pretend to be jolly. Focus on God. Repeat who you are. Sing. I, I live in Bangor and work in Belfast. I have learned to sing my way from home to Bangor because then I end up in better form. If I listen to the media, I don't. I mean it. So I have learned that if I sing, I'm slightly better. And I think... I put that down like a few weeks back. Slow down. Hurry and panic are counterproductive. We are being slowed down whether we like it or not. The number of people who are reading. Next one, next slide. The final slide, I think. The next number of people who are reading that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, from all over the place and not even, um, you know, not people who don't know each other. It's like God is saying to us, come back, climb up on my shoulders, climb up on my neck, put your wee podgy arms around my neck, and I'm here and you're here. It's, it's the opposite of love, isn't it? Because when we are hurried, we don't spend time, we don't listen, we don't look, we don't slow down. Jesus was never in a hurry. I love that, that he was never in a hurry. Those are some things that I use and I find really useful. That Lectio 365, again, Pete Gregg, fabulous. Nine minutes, download it, listen to it in the car. Whatever you feed, that's what wins. So you feed your mind. You recognize that we are flawed, we are negatively biased, that that's what wins, and we need to feed it otherwise. So there are some things to to help you do that. Um, And the final one I will leave you with. Go to sleep in peace, because God is awake. And that's every night. It's not just on Sundays. If there are no other...